We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ripple Bagel and Deli is the home of Indy's original steam bagel sandwich. It's located in the heart of Broad Ripple, and they're family-owned and operated, proudly serving their customers for over 20 years. They pride themselves on quick casual dining with over 100 different steamed bagel sandwich options. It truly is a staple in Indianapolis and a can't-miss breakfast and lunch spot. Ripple Bagel and Deli offers a great friends and family atmosphere where you're always welcome to dine in and be a part of the family or feel free to bypass any weight by conveniently ordering and paying for carryout ahead of time at RippleBagelDeli.com. Ripple Bagel and Deli also offers best-in-class catering anytime anywhere with a long list of customers ranging anywhere from law firms to drug reps to several different sports related clients including butler iupui the indianapolis colts and several visiting nfl teams they pride themselves on their ability to satisfy all of your catering needs no matter the occasion or event and will customize your order provide competitive pricing and always deliver on time ripple bagel deli the home of indy's original steam bagel sandwich this is tyrese halliburton and you're listening to setting the pace Pacer Nation, welcome back to your go-to Pacers podcast and the Indiana Pacers take down the Chicago Bulls 120 to 104. And here to talk to me about the Pacers winning streak. Wow, I haven't heard that in a while. The one and only Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, what's going on, brother? Man, it feels good. And you're listening to this on a Friday morning. The Pacers on a winning streak feels like the old days, aka about a month ago. But look, it feels good to get this win because it almost slipped away. There was a lot of things that was impressive about this game now there were a lot of things that were a little bit sad but in the end a win is a win there was the highs there were the lows Alex you tell me where do you want to start well I mean obviously I think in the first quarter Fachi just kind of start things off there I thought this was going to be a high scoring game it was like I think the first nine shots were made by both teams and then DeMar DeRozan finally missed a mid-range shot and I thought are we going to have a high scoring affair tonight like it's it's going to be crazy well 
as I mentioned earlier in the intro, is 120 to 104. We held Chicago to 104 points, and I thought that our second quarter defense was really pretty good. And, and, and honestly, most of the third quarter was pretty good, but it was just allowing Chicago the last six minutes of that third to get back into this game. And it just felt like all the momentum the Pacers had established to end the first half and start off the second half with was a race when Miles Turner picked up his fourth foul in the game. He had to leave, and the and the Bulls went small, and I think that's when everything really shifted for Chicago. Yeah, a few different things. 104 points given up to Chicago. That's the fewest by the Pacers on the year. So how about that? It's you great. saw some defense being played. But also to your point about Turner, the game changed. When Chicago went small, they were playing fast. They had all the momentum. It just felt like they were getting the calls. They were getting those 50-50 balls. Everything went their way. And that was the difference maker. And during that stretch, there was a span where Chicago outscored the Pacers 35-7. to Yeah. And we saw what was once a 20-plus point lead actually disappear. And Chicago took the lead on a Kobe White 3. So I was nervous. I felt like I was watching something. I felt like I was dreaming, and I couldn't wake up. I guess you can call it a nightmare, but I just could not stop it. And it was like, please get a stop. Please get a stop. But in the end, Alex, it's the man that we can trust the most. Tyrese Halliburton really bailed out the Pacers when they needed him most, really got it going from three. And I think you could say, yeah, he made six threes, but it wouldn't tell the whole story. He was historic tonight. 21 points, 20 assists, zero turnovers. That type of performance has only been done one other time since 1985. It was Chris Paul in 2016. How lucky are we to have a franchise type of player that could bail us out when we need it and put up stat lines that haven't been done and, you know, only been done once in our lifetime? He, he was phenomenal tonight, and I know the broadcast kept talking about how the crowd was ooming and awing every time he would take a shot, whether he'd make or miss it, and that's just kind of the Halliburton effect that he has on different fan bases because he can pull from 30, 35 feet, and, and you feel confident that he's going to make the shot. And we saw the Bulls have to adjust in the fourth quarter going to the hard double team right as he crossed half court, which allowed other opportunities for guys to get open. You know, I thought this was a game where Tyrese was just phenomenal. It was spectacular. And you could tell he wanted Neesmith to take that shot uh, to give him his 20th assist. And Neesmith passed out to the corner. And I think somebody made a shot or late. And I can't remember. It might have been Matherin. And he was like, what are you doing? Shoot the ball. Like The Bulls call a timeout. And the Pacers, the very next play, they get a rebound. And Halliburton throws it ahead to Matherin to get that 20th assist. I think he wanted that 20 and 20 game. And Definitely. I don't have a problem with that. You know, it's, it's fun. No. You don't really get an opportunity to get that very often. Like you said, First time it's been done since 2016. So you're talking over a seven-year stretch since 1985. It's only been done once. Yeah, especially with zero turnovers. You have to just embrace what that is, and that's awesome. But I do want to go back, Fachi, into that fourth quarter because I did write down what happened in that run. And this is when things were getting kind of out of hand for the Pacers. So uh, Javon Carter blocks Ben Matherin at the rim, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, here we go again. Even Halliburton's back in the game. We can't stop the momentum. But then Turner returns the favor on Patrick Williams, blocks his shot. Buddy Hill comes down and makes a three. Pacers force a shot clock turnover by the Chicago Bulls. Halliburton hits a three. Buddy Hill steals the ball. Halliburton hits a three again. Kobe White misses a three, and then Miles Turner gets the and one. It was just like a huge run there in a matter of like 90 seconds to, to 120 seconds where the Pacers just put the clamps on and said, you know what, we're not going to let this game get away from us. You, came, you overcame a 25-point lead Chicago, but 
we know you're going to be out of gas. We've got Turner on the bench rest, and we've got Tyrese getting a little bit of a breather here to start the fourth. Those guys came in and really just sealed the deal, and you could feel the level of energy just kind of lift from this team when Tyrese and Miles reentered the game. I, I think the guys really just needed something to break up what was happening. And, you know, kudos to Rick Carlisle for trying to milk it out as long as he could, but it was a little bit questionable there with what they were doing, trying to go against that small ball style of Chicago Bulls offense that the Pacers had no no way of stopping. It was just too long. I mean, I kept looking over, wondering when Miles was going to get up, go over to the scores table. It just felt like they could not stop that Chicago run, which went from the third quarter through into the fourth, and, and it, it was it was very worrisome. But yeah, the, the Pacers definitely got a big boost once Turner came back in the game. And I know Turner gets a lot of heat at times, but you saw how this team played when he was not out there. It was a big difference. Miles in this game was a plus thirty. That make it you almost. I know the Pacers won by sixteen, but it wasn't always looking like that. And the fact that he was a plus thirty, it says a lot. And Miles also got the Pacers off to a great start. He had seven of the first ten yeah. in the game. So I just felt like when Turner was on the court, things were completely different. Uh, but overall. Alex, I mean, two-game sample size of this starting lineup, 2-0. Who are we to complain? What are your thoughts with this starting five once again? I'm not even going to say the starting five that I want to talk about because I think it's just changed the trajectory of the team right now. I think that it's just kind of lifted a spirit within this team and kind of just, you know, we, we talked about it there with that run. We wish Rick would have made a change sooner, and it kind of, Felt like he needed to, and finally, once he did, you saw a shift in the in the way the momentum was going in the game. I think that's kind of the same thing that happened with the starting lineup and this rotation. I think that they had been kind of trotting out a similar style of lineup for like the first twenty five plus games of the year, whatever it is right now, record wise that we're at. And before making that change to the starting lineup, everybody just kind of seems stale. And when you do make a drastic change like this, right? it, it kind of gets everybody on edge. You have a guy like Obi Toppin, who was starting at the power forward, goes to being the ninth man in the rotation. He was the last guy off the bench tonight to come into the game. And I tweeted out in the first half because in the first five minutes, he had three rebounds. He was actively looking to get on the glass. And we know that we know that Aaron and Andrew and Jalen are always going to play hard no matter what. But it's guys like Mather and Buddy and, and Obi that kind of needed that wake-up call, I think, a little bit to just find a way for them to kind of get re-energized, rejuvenated to kind of get their bounce back. And we've seen Buddy Heald have some nice games, have some nice moments within the game, even though his shooting numbers might not be great. But Buddy Heald plus 22 tonight. Uh, Matherin wasn't really an, in love with everything he did. He had some moments. I say the same thing with Obi Toppin. And finished with 12 rebounds tonight, Fachi. That's the highest he's had as a pacer. His previous high was eight against the Bulls last time they played in Indiana. It he had eight in the first half. So a good rebounding game from Obi Toppin. But, you know, I, I do feel bad for him a little bit because he was part of that group that really struggled at the end of the third and the beginning of the fourth before Miles came back in the game. So, you know, he did get stuck with a bad plus minus there after playing really good and kind of getting extended minutes in the second quarter. So I just feel like the overall lineup change, and I'll let you give me your thoughts on it too, has just kind of sparked everybody as a team to say, okay, they're not playing business we're trying to win games. Let's go out there and play hard. Yeah, I could not care less that Obi Toppin went one of four from the field and three points. The rebounding, just the effort that we saw for him, it almost felt like it was like, okay, 
if you're not going to be in the starting lineup, you need to play a certain role well. And tonight, I felt like that rebounding effort was very evident early on. And I feel like he can – he doesn't need to get 12 rebounds per game. He's got to get at least six, and I've said that for a long time. It's just like he is one of the the, the lengthier, you know, pacers. That, his size, we don't have a lot, lot of that. Obi can't be getting three rebounds because we know he's capable of far more. So I saw that. I liked it. Buddy Heald that you mentioned. I mean, Buddy, a bounce-back performance. He actually hit one of the threes that really put the Pacers back up, I believe, after Kobe White's three. He had 19 points, a plus 22, 5 of 10 from three. I mean, you, you know those are the games that he's capable of. It's just tough when he's, you know, like 3 or 14 or, or something of, of that sort. So I feel like tonight you got the buddy that is always part of a winning recipe, and that's what can make the bench that much better. But on other nights, if Buddy doesn't have it going, the bench is a bit tough. And tonight, I feel like they were balanced enough with Matherin and Buddy to really be able to, you know, make it work. I want to say they had about 40 points off the bench. You could definitely live with that in a game where the Pacers scored 120, 40 coming from the bench. I like it. Yeah, I felt like, and you probably felt the same way too, that the Tyrese minutes on the bench were rough. They were they were rough. Yeah, I, yep. I think as much as we like Nimhard and as and I think he's a much better fit next to Tyrese at the two than he is at running the show. I I think that is partially just the style of play because he's a little bit slower, a little bit quirky. Like he does play fast when he has to, but it's just like when he's playing out there with Buddy and Obi and and Ben and whether it's Isaiah or Jalen or whoever's the five, it just feels clunky, and I feel like a lot of the shots that the Pacers were taking when he was out there in the game was because Nimhart took 13 shots tonight, which is tied for the second most attempts in the game. And I think Nimhart, when he's a scorer, it's it's not necessarily his best attribute. I think that he is better off as that facilitator, that secondary playmaker, really good defensive player. But when he's kind of having to carry the load offensively because the offense is kind of getting broke down or he's just taking the pick and roll advantage and kind of shooting, you know, that mid-range jumper over guys, he was struggling tonight, and I and I thought he was pressing a little bit too much with that shot, and the ball movement seemed to be a little bit stagnant when Tyrese left the game. It's like when Tyrese came back in the game, the floor spacing was night and day different. So uh, I think that Nimhard's lack of shooting as well does make it easier for teams to kind of pack the paint a little bit on the Pacers, which does eliminate what they're trying to do. So as much as I really like Nimhard, I've been advocating for him to be the backup point guard. I think everybody's kind of been wanting to see that. While I don't necessarily think that McConnell needs to be getting in the in the game all the time, this is where I think when you have a Bruce Brown come back into the rotation, it's going to really make things interesting. Um, I, I'm, I'm just kind of in – I'm kind of curious to see how Nimhard does because he played so good against Orlando as a starting uh, – as a starter. And then you look at what he did against Houston, and he had some nice moments there, but really had six turnovers like we talked about. And then in this game, just had some poor shooting uh, – shot selection, I would say, was just not great from him. So I, I, I'm not trying to kill the guy while he's down, but I will say this, like offensively, it's not been there, but defensively, he's still been pretty solid as an on-ball defender. No, he has. And the Pacers obviously need more defense. They don't need Nimhar to be going off for 15 to 20. 13 shots, probably a little bit too much. I don't think he needed 13 shots tonight. But when you look at that starting five and everybody is, you know, you got plus 32 from Halliburton, you got plus 30 from Turner plus 25 from Neesmith, Jalen Smith, plus four. And then there's Nemhard at a minus 19. Yeah. It is a little bit of an eye-opener. It's a little bit of like, whoa, okay. Um, 
those were not good minutes when Halliburton was out. But I, I think that he is very capable of having better performances. And he, he does have moments. So I, I think that he will bounce back. But overall, I, I think that this was a game that you had to have. I thought at one point it was like the perfect scenario. I mean, the Pacers were in cruise control. They were up 20-plus. They were shooting the ball well. Like, everything was was going really, really well. And then it, it kind of flipped, uh, you know, flipped upside down, and everything was going Chicago's way. But to see the Pacers once again respond, that's really what makes the difference over here is when times got tough, they didn't just roll over, you know, and play dead. They responded once again, and I still feel like that's why the box score doesn't tell the whole story. Winning by 16 was like, ah, in, in my opinion, this was a nail-biter until, I don't know, five, six minutes left, anything like that, because this game easily could have went another direction. No, you're right about that. It, it was close. I mean, the Bulls got to give them credit because they made this a game and they were down by 25 points, and they could have easily just, you know, laid on their back and said, okay, we lost this one, we're not going to come back. I mean, the Pacers were just grooving, and I mean – I almost texted you at one point and I was like, do you want to start this recording in the fourth quarter? Like <laughs> that's how I felt this game was going to go. I was like, man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to stay awake for this one. It's been a long, a week after the holidays and I'm just, I'm exhausted, but I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to say anything. And then sure enough, here come the bulls. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I was so annoyed. I was like, you know, and this is the sign of a young team. And I understand that you're going to talk about, you know, how teams go on runs and stuff like that. But when you have a 25-point lead established in the third quarter with about six minutes left, you cannot let a team like Chicago without two of their top three players erase a 25-point lead that quickly. You've got to figure something out, and I think that kind of just shows where this team is at um, overall. But I do think Chicago ran out of gas by having to exert so much energy to get back into the game that when Tyrese was able to come back in in that fourth quarter, it did help that he was a little bit more rested and was able to kind of take advantage of a Chicago team that was, you know, just gassed. And I was kind of surprised Billy Donovan never really called a timeout to try to stop the bleeding. He just kept kind of letting them play it through. And it's just like, okay, what are they doing? But, you know, um, just a really solid effort overall. I think there were six guys spotching in double digits tonight for the Pacers. And we've talked about it. When there's a balance of scoring, it feels like this team usually wins because everybody's feasting. It's not just one guy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. No, that, that's, that's what makes the Pacers, their depth. We talked about it all year. It's like, that's their, you don't want to call it their superpower, but they're obviously not a defensive team. So when you look at this, you had, uh, it was six players tonight scored at least 15 points. I mean, if you have six players score double digits, usually that's pretty good. Six players scoring 15 points was a very, very good effort. And then when you look at the other two players that logged minutes, you know, Isaiah Jackson, nothing to write home about. But for Obi Toppin, the, the 12 rebounds, it was big. He led the Pacers in rebounding. So I just felt like every player really played their role well. And for the most part, it was eight players played essentially more than you know double-digit minutes. Isaiah Jackson played 11. So it's hard to have a, a massive impact on this game. But overall, I, I mean, this was a game that the Pacers shot the ball well. They shoot over 50%. Obviously, this is a dangerous Pacers team when the three ball is going down. Yeah. And they had 19 threes tonight. They shoot 45%. I, I just feel like, I mean, obviously, look, the assist-wise, you get 30 assists. It's the magic number. 20 of them come from Tyrese, whatever. It doesn't matter who else is getting assists. If your point guard is getting you 20 assists, you, you know the ball is going in the net. So this was a game that we talked about. It's like you wanted to get on a little bit of a run. You beat Houston. Now you take down Chicago. And then this, this is Chicago not, not at its finest. So you really needed to have this. And then all of a sudden now you go into – you got one more game left in, in 2023 – the Pacers are finally, it feels like they're able to breathe a little bit coming off that in-season tournament where it just looked like they were gassed. They, they don't have time to breathe, though, Fonchi, because the Knicks are a I tough mean, team. They are. They are. And the Pacers really need to keep building off this momentum and carrying it into the new year. Um, I don't want them to get complacent with just having two good wins on the road. I mean, that's great. It puts them above 500 on the road, too, which is helpful. But... Once again, Fachi, I think that you have to look at the numbers here. The last five games, really stepping up defensively as a team, holding their opponents to under 120 points. Charlotte, 113. Memphis, 116. Orlando and Houston both scored 117. And tonight, Chicago, 104, which you mentioned already, was the lowest scoring or the least amount of points they've allowed this season to an opponent. So maybe the big man lineup is is working a little bit, kind of establishing, setting a tone a little bit. But I also think that Isaiah Jackson was really good against Houston. He did not play particularly well in this game. He was fine. Yeah. I don't just, I don't feel like he was really impactful in a lot of ways. You know, just kind of felt like he was out there for 11 minutes and did some things. I mean, we can talk about the egregious 10-second call that he got. That was wild. Handed for the free throw violation. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever enjoyed one single game that Ben Taylor has ever officiated against the Pacers. Ben Taylor might be the most annoying official. Like, he's worse than Scott Foster. I'm not going to lie. This dude is not good. And I I just – it just – he makes some really random calls, and I just feel like – I don't know. His crew that, I, that I've always had a witness watching ref Pacer games has been a very inconsistent whistle. But how are you going to sit there and call a 10-second violation on a guy like Isaiah Jackson when we sat there and watched three-plus hours of Giannis – taking almost 40 free throw attempts and basically spending 20 seconds at the free throw line for every Easy. single attempt. You had the stopwatch going. Yeah, I did. Proof. I did. But even before he gets the basketball, it takes like five to six seconds before he gets the ball. I know. 
It's just ridiculous. I mean, if you're not going to call it, don't call out. I don't even care. Just say we're not going to worry about the 10-second call. You know, if it's in the vicinity of 10 to 15, we're not going to call it. But you can't call it on a guy just because he's a backup and not call it on a superstar because you're trying to protect your big players in the league. I think the league really needs to take a look at this kind of crap that Giannis is doing more than they need to do looking at the stupid taunting stuff that they've been handing out technicals left and right for. It's like, why have a why have a rule in play and not enforce it? It's just inconsistent around around the league. It really is. I mean, just overall, I just want to go back to your point about how the defense has been lately. They have stepped up. To expect that this Pacers team is going to play 1990-style basketball and hold teams to 95 or, you know, 100 points is not realistic. But what we have seen is a wake-up call. After they gave up 151 points to the Clippers, I, I truly do think that that was embarrassing. And I think that they have responded since then. You know, they have, like you mentioned, they haven't let a team score, you know, more than 117 over, over that last stretch. That's a big difference. I know yeah. 117 might not sound like anything to brag about, but at one point the Pacers were giving up well over 125 points per game. So I, I think that this has been an improvement on the defense lately that we've seen. And this Pacers team still hasn't really been like 100% healthy. I feel like there's always been someone out. Bruce Brown's been out for the last couple of games. Jalen Smith missed a chunk of time. Andrew Nemhard missed a chunk of time. When we can get this team all healthy together, they're still building chemistry with each other. There's still a lot of players that have been in and out of the starting lineup. This starting five that we see now, yesterday, uh, the, the game against Houston, was the first time they really played together this season in a lineup. So let's give this team some time, but... We're climbing yet another game above 500. I like it. And a win against Chicago, it might not seem like much, but I can tell you right now the sky would have been falling if the Pacers did not get this win for many Pacer fans out there. That's how, you know, one foot in, one foot out, a lot of fans are in terms of really believing in this team. I was happy that they were able to handle business in the fourth quarter because that's really where games are defined. How do you respond in the fourth quarter where it matters most? Pacers took care of business. Back-to-back -back games have done that too, which is great. You know, yep. you're kind of seeing Tyrese get back to the level of play that he was playing at prior to the end-season tournament, right? That championship game he didn't play obviously well, but we're seeing Tyrese get back to his normal self. You know, 33 points against Houston, 29 against Orlando, 20, you know, one tonight with 20 assists. It's just he is continuing to grow and figure out how different – defenses are being thrown at him and adjusting to that and I, I think it's great to see I think that we're really starting to see him kind of evolve even more now from just like okay a guy that doesn't have his you know doesn't have all these targets on his back to okay now everybody knows like he's the biggest target on the Pacers back right but he's still able to find ways to be super super impactful whether it's scoring and that's that's what great players do right that's what superstars do and I think that we're starting to see that ascension from him like okay you had a couple, you know, rough couple of weeks where you're probably tired a lot. You were dealing with a little bit of an injury, and then you have a lot of people just put a lot of uh, wear and tear on your body as you're playing hard every single game. And he's playing, I mean, he's playing 37 minutes a game because the Pacers cannot afford to not have him on the floor. No. And I do think that that's kind of problematic for the longevity of Tyrese right now. Um, hopefully, he does not suffer another injury because it was last year at the beginning of January when he did have that leg injury that put him out for almost a month, and it's like. I know Rick's trying to be careful with his minutes, but at the same time, Rick knows that this team is in a spot where they can't really afford 
to allow Tyrese to only play 32 minutes a game if it's going to cost them a loss. They, they're trying to rack up as many wins as they can. So this is where, while Bruce Brown's not been the most exciting player to watch this year, that's where having Bruce Brown back in the rotation does alleviate some of that pressure from Tyrese as being just a secondary ball handler next to an Andrew Nimhart type guy, a good defender. You know, I, I do think that they will obviously welcome him back with open arms. I think he will be a nice addition of to this course. team. But it's just how does that rotation check out? It's going to be different. I, I would assume, I would assume to me that uh, Isaiah Jackson probably gets taken out of the rotation when Bruce comes back. Yeah, and I would imagine Bruce Brown goes back into the starting lineup for Nimhard. Um, so? I, I would, I, I think so. I do. Uh, even though this lineup has worked, I don't think anyone's going to say that Andrew Nimhard was the difference of this lineup being two and zero because Bruce Brown's bringing some similar qualities. Um, but hey, I could be wrong. But overall, I think it'd be great to have Bruce Brown back. And I, I just think that you know when you mentioned about Halliburton, Halliburton was questionable. Coming into this game, I believe it was a, a lower back injury they were saying he was dealing with. So he goes from being questionable to lower back injury to playing 37 minutes when you needed just about all of it. And look, look what he gives you. He yeah. gives you historic performance. So it's kind of crazy because if Halliburton doesn't play this game and you're already without Bruce Brown, I'm sorry, but I don't see a scenario where the Pacers win this game, even if Chicago is without arguably their two best players. We could say you know, probably their two best players. Zach Levine, Vucevic, however you want to throw DeRozan, whatever. It's at least two of their top three players. And you couldn't afford another loss to Chicago. So, yeah, Isaiah Jackson very well could be out of the rotation. Does he deserve to be out? No, I don't think so. But I think yeah. that it's just – it's you can't play 10 players a night. You know, yeah. it, it's not it's not realistic. So, especially that 10th guy would be getting five minutes. You know, and it, it, I don't think it's going to happen. So – Isaiah Jackson, I think that he's shown a lot and that when called upon, I do think that he will be ready. But for now, yeah, that is a great point. He probably will be out. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. And I and I can see I can see Bruce coming off the bench just to ease him in after the injury to kind of like ride it out. Cause I feel like Rick's kind of a conspiracy guy, a little bit. Not a conspiracy, but he's like uh doesn't like a karma kind of guy. Doesn't want to mess up with what's working right now. And right now they're two and oh since making that lineup change. Does he want to go in there and change things right now when they're playing at a certain level, you know, say, Hey Bruce, we're going to bring you off the bench, ease you back into, it. I guess I can see that side of it, but like, I also can see like, okay, yeah. Andrew's been struggling. maybe we, maybe we bring Andrew off the bench because he's more of our natural point guard with the second unit. And maybe we'll figure out the rotations that way. But you know, it's, it's, it's good to see the Pacers pull out a victory, regardless of the level of opponent, just the way that this game was going, the way that it could have ended. Um, I thought that was, Really nice to see them win. But in terms of Chicago, right, this is a team that's been playing better, and we haven't seen them since they played the Pacers back in, I think it was either late October, early November, is around that time frame. Anybody stand out to you from Chicago that you thought, man, they look like they're a little bit better than the last time we watched them play? I mean, look, old man Drummond, I guess if you're going to call him that, still got it. He had 11 rebounds in the second quarter. Uh, they actually stopped playing, you know, big, and I feel like they kind of phased him out. Patrick Williams stepped up. He's been someone, say. yeah, Patrick Williams has been someone that, like, you've kind of been waiting a few years on. Fourth overall pick, at one point, Chicago kind of had him as, like, an untouchable. Um, And I feel like he has not reached his full potential. But, you know, I, I thought he really impressed me. Um, And then, you know, overall, I mean, they, they had other players that had moments. Um, 
was it? Was it was Daylon Terry? Is that his, his first name? Daylon Terry. Daylon. Yeah, Daylon Terry. He had some moments. He yeah. he really did. There were there were some good hustle plays from him. Um, Ao Desumo. I know it's a hard name to pronounce. He had moments. So overall, I think that Chicago was just really pesky in that third quarter, playing really fast, forcing turnovers, getting the fast breaks. So there 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 was moments. Patrick Williams was the guy. He had that ferocious dunk yeah. at one point in this game where he really threw it down. That was a statement. Yeah, he had some nice passes, too. I know he only had three assists, but there were some nice passes that he made there as well. And I thought, you know what? I can kind of see why they were so hyped up on him because he does show some flashes here with that, you know, wing type of player that the Pacers have been coveting for so long. I mean, that was just kind of what he showcased in that game. But, yeah, you know, I, I was a little bit disappointed that the numbers did not reflect how I thought Kobe White has been playing of late. Five of I agree 19. with you. But he's Kobe been good White, this year, though. He's mm-hmm. been pretty tough this year, really stepped in. He's taken over the starting uh, point guard position for Ayo Desunmu. And he hit that big three like you talked about. He had another yep. three later in the in the quarter as well. And, I mean, we're talking about some good range, and the shot looked pretty. So, you know, shout-out Kobe White. I was not the biggest fan of Kobe White coming into it the was that. I was like, yeah, I'm not buying it. And I, maybe, I, maybe I think he still is probably a backup point guard at best in the league. Oh. But kudos to him for kind of taking advantage of the opportunity. I thought that was cool to see. But – Patrick Williams, to me, was the star of this team, uh, aside from DeRozan, in terms of like who I thought really stood on, uh, stood out. Yeah, I'm looking at Kobe White's stats right now. Wow, a major leap forward. He averaged 9.7 points per game last year. He's now at 17.7. Yeah, I know he's he's shooting about 40% from three. I mean, he's really putting it all together in year five. So, great to see. But one thing I just noticed, I mean, I mentioned uh, Dale and Terry. You know, he had moments. Alex, I just saw he was a plus 29 for Chicago in yeah. a 16-point loss. He was part wow, of that run. That's a, difference, that's a difference maker, and he was a big part of that run. Because every time they kept saying Terry, you know, selfishly, I hope they were talking about Terry Taylor, but they weren't. <laughs> but, you know, it still made me feel good to see him on the court because I've always had that soft spot for Terry Taylor. He's so nice. I'll continue to root for him, but – uh you know, just nice to see that he still managed to carve out a role in the NBA instead of like an Alizé Johnson, who I still like, but is no longer in the league. I just thought it was blasphemy when he got the offensive rebound over Isaiah Jackson and, and put it back up and scored two. And <laughs> Quinn Buckner's like, yeah, somehow he got that rebound. I'm like, somehow he got that rebound. Did you not watch Terry Taylor play right in front of you? Like he was there. Yeah, come on. Give like him some credit. Year. Come on, QB. You yeah. know what Terry Taylor does. That's exactly what his game is, even back to college days. Like, exactly. That's what he did elite rebounder that can mm-hmm. play big for his position considering how small he is in terms of height. But yeah, I mean, it was, it's good to see him out there. And obviously it's, it's kind of tough to see where he's at in terms of his NBA career, probably yeah. not a rotational player. I know at one point the Pacers thought he might be their next that young, but they were wrong. Started on, on opening night. Yeah. Remember he, that? I mean, he did for what reason we know. Miles rolled injured. his ankle and yeah, exactly. I know. Yeah. But that was like just wild that Terry Taylor started on opening night. And then, obviously, you know, wasn't really seen much after that. But, hey, he came on our show. He was great. Uh, good good story. I root for him to, you know, still uh, catch on with another team if it doesn't work out for Chicago. But overall, Alex, a game that you had to have. The Pacers got it. Another W in the win column. And this team continues to push forward. They haven't closed out 2023 yet. But they have a chance to end it on a high note. And for that, I think that would be some great momentum. If we can go into January saying, okay, we're not just kind of like treading water here where we feel that the best is yet to come, at least defensively. 
As yeah. we talked about, we have seen those changes. I, I would like to believe the worst defensively has already happened because we have seen some stuff this year. And I, I, I hope that's in the rearview mirror now. I would hope so too, but I will put out there that the offenses that we are playing are not in the top half of the league right now. So just to put a caveat on that so we're not getting ahead of ourselves and acting like we're like, oh, we've we've made that leap defensively. It's like, no, the last four games we're playing like teams in the bottom. You know, like I think Memphis has been the best team offensively, like at 18th since we've (laughs) since we've uh, played better defense the last five games. But you know, like you said, great win, 120-104. Once again, Pacers get a 16-point victory, improved to 16-14 and 14 on the year, two games above 500, and they have one more game to close out 2023 before they move into 2024, which means they have 52 games left this season. Can you believe it? We are not even halfway through the season yet, Fachi. So, still got a lot of basketball ahead of us. But let's go ahead and wrap this podcast up. We'll be back tomorrow with a mailbag, but go ahead and let people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So, you can find us on Twitter at PacersPodSTP. Find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPodSTP. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace of Pacers Podcast where you can find all of our video content. Please subscribe and join the YouTube family. We would love to have you. But Fachi, with that being said, if you're hoping the Pacers close out the year of 2023 with a three-game winning streak, beating those New York Knicks and hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.